the things that are around the sanctuary and around the church, there are some beautiful things as we decorate for the season of Advent. If you notice in the windows, there are different nativity scenes um, from different places around the world, and you can look at the little write-ups on them. Uh, we are just very thankful for Lee Turner, who donated. Uh, and, and, and I hear that this is only half her collection. And so uh, this is uh, something that I hope we get, we get a chance to see all of it because you see some pretty beautiful, beautiful scenes there from different places. And so, and, and if you ever wonder about the tree out in our, um, in our lobby in the atrium, um, that's called a Christmon tree. And the reason why it's called a Christmon tree, and uh, we don't decorate it with anything other than gold and white because it represents the colors of Christ. And all the symbols are representative of the, the symbols of Jesus Christ. And so that's why it's called a Christmon tree. We celebrate the tree of, of life, the tree that, is, uh, that represents Christ in this season of Advent as we anticipate the birth of Jesus. And so some of these things that you see, they've always been around, but they're very symbolic of why we do what we do and who we are and what the church represents. And so if you've ever wondered about that, one, uh, you can hear it, like we'll try to explain why, because I always want to know why, but then, you, you know, the beauty of Google, um, you can also look that up as well. Uh, it doesn't always have to come from the pastor's mouth, although sometimes you have to be careful what you Google because uh, um, you always have to look at the sources. But uh, these, are, these are great things to look at, or why we have these things around. Uh, one of the things that I never knew, um, that, that everything is green, and if you look outside, you see everything is dead. Uh, uh, the trees are dying, right? And everything lays dormant in the winter, but we have greenery here because it, is, it reminds us of the, uh, the symbol of life, that everything is still alive in here and alive in the church, and everything is still green. And so with Christ, we are alive. Amen? Amen. Well, good morning. <clears throat> it is the third Sunday of Advent. And as we are celebrating, anticipating the birth of Jesus, we get closer and closer to Christmas. And for some of you, this is a great thing. For others, uh, it may be, uh, we may be dreading it. And that's okay. This is a judgment-free zone because if you're dreading Christmas, I understand, right? Because as a pastor, this is one of the joyous occasions. This is my favorite time of the year, Christmas. But it has also, it's the busiest time of the year. And so there, there have been many Christmases and Advents where I feel like I come into Christmas and I'm crawling and I'm barely making it. And then there are times where I'm like, woo, you know, it was like we get through Christmas, can we do it again? And so whatever season, it could be the same every year or it could be different. Whatever you're feeling, uh, we are with you. We're walking with you. Um, but, you know, something that we've been doing in these past few weeks is giving out something called a GPS. And if you look in your bulletin, you can see it right here. Uh, it's called a GPS. It's, it's, it means grow, pray, and study. Now, the GPS is, uh, for us, like a GPS, positioning us, directing us about our days. But GPS, as I said, means grow, pray, and study where you read over the scripture for the day. You pray over it. You study deeper as you need. But I, I hope that in the coming weeks uh, that you would take a look at the GPS because sometimes if you're just wanting to find something in the mornings to start your day, this is a great way to read the scripture because these scriptures follow up uh, the sermon that we just um, preached on on Sunday. And every week following, the scriptures kind of help you and guide you along the way. So if you get a chance, and we have it on our website, but check out the GPS 
and, uh, and hopefully it will help guide you about your days. Maybe it's just an opportunity where you get to grow a little bit each day and spend a little bit of time. As we look at scripture, today's passage comes from Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 through 25. So let's take a look at this passage. Hear the word of the Lord. And this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. <clears throat> His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. And so as he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son. And you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And when Joseph woke up, as did, uh, uh, and he did as the angel of the Lord commanded, he took Mary as his wife. He did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You know, Matthew 1 is all about names. And we get a whole family, uh, a whole family tree of worth of names right out of the chute. But finally, we narrowed down the whole chapter to one very specific name. Actually, two names, uh, to be specific. Almost uh, uh, as a way to say that all of history has been leading up to this point when someone would finally come with a name above all names, a name that will never be forgotten, a name that will spell life itself. See, in the first chapter of the Gospel of Matthew, the birth of Jesus is foretold. And the story begins in controversy with Mary, the mother of Jesus, found to be pregnant. And this creates an issue for Joseph, to whom she is pledged to be married. And not wanting to humiliate her publicly, he decides to divorce her quietly. But then the angel of the Lord appears to Joseph in a dream and says, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because of what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Now, it's interesting because the angel gives her scripture from the prophet. Once again, proof. You're not alone. Understand, there is proof. And so um, he does. He does what she said. Joseph realizes that Mary has not been unfaithful to him, but that her, that her pregnancy is an act of God. And then the angel says, she will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. This is the first commanding name given to this child. See, Jesus is a Greek form of the, word, of the name, the Hebrew name Joshua, which means the Lord saves, or in Hebrew, Yeshua. Matthew tells us that all, all this takes place to fulfill what the Lord has said through the prophet Isaiah. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And he's quoting from Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. And this is the second commanding name given to this child. Emmanuel means God with us. 
So suppose you were given one name and then come to find out that there is another name for you. That's why sometimes we have our first name, we, go, we have a middle name, and so some, some of you go by your middle name, some of your first name. Sometimes you have uh, three or four names, nicknames. Um, and so I had nicknames. I'm not allowed to say them in church, but we'll, uh, they had nicknames. You know, some of you have those same nicknames, right? I mean, that's what happened when I went to Korea. Uh, I was 15 years old. I went to Korea, and I, and I found out I had two Korean names. And then my dad tried to tell me that Minho is my um, American name. I was like, there's no Americans named Minho, so I don't know what you're talking about. Um, so, but I, uh, I was given a, a name, Minho, at birth, and then there was another name, so we went to a family library where all our ancestors are listed, and then the caretaker looked at my dad, and he says, what's his name? And he told him, and, he, and then this is the first time I've ever seen him get scolded uh, by someone else, like, ooh, no one yells at my dad, so this is interesting. And then uh, he tells my dad, uh, you gave him the wrong name. And so my dad's like, oops. You know, and then uh, they open up a book and says, this is his name. And so they, they, and then I found out what my Korean name is. And so now I have two Korean names, no English name yet. So still gets me in trouble. Nothing helps. So in this case, Jesus wasn't given the wrong name. But ever notice in Matthew 1, the angel says to name the baby Jesus. And then Matthew turns right around and says, that's right. He's little baby Emmanuel. And no sooner does Matthew write that, that we are told that when the baby uh, was born, Joseph did as he was told and named the baby Jesus. And so which one is it? Well, Jesus, Emmanuel, Emmanuel, Jesus, do we have to choose? Was Matthew just not noticing his inconsistency here or, um, or seeing that um, he's trying to cover all his bases? No. Apparently, you cannot speak the one without invoking the other. See, Jesus equals Emmanuel. Emmanuel equals God with us. See, the name of the individuals in the Bible are always full of meaning and expressing their personality, their status, or nature. In the Bible, a name is always more than just a word. Some of you were named for specific reasons. I named, uh, we named our son Noah for a specific reason. Because uh, at that time, our, uh, my uh, father-in-law passed away, and he, we, right after, uh, we found out that uh, my wife was pregnant. And, so, and then I found out he, it was going to be a boy. And so we named him Noah as the comforter, because he came at the right time to comfort our family in a time of heartbreak, and we needed comfort. My second son, Jonah, it's not just water themes, but uh, in that moment, it's like this is going to be twice as hard but there was some comfort and peace that we found. And so his name was Jonah. But I found out in Hebrew uh, that he also has a second part of his name. It means destroyer. And so, uh, and so I'm like, that would, that's why we put him in sports. Because I'm like, he, that will go bold well as he destroys his opponents. Or maybe destroys his father. One or the other. Um, but there's these names that we, we say and we have that have great meaning. And, and for me, it was intentional. For, uh, for us, our family, it was intentional. For some of you, your names came. I remember a friend of mine, um, they were on their way to the hospital, and the person, the nurse, they didn't have a name for their child, and the, and the family just uh, immigrated to America. They were trying to figure out, what do we name our child? And so they looked, at, um, they, let, and they looked at the nurse's name, and they said, that's a beautiful name. And they named her and said, Grace. 
All right, well, Grace is going to be her name. What if it's a boy? We'll find a boy name that relates to Grace, but they wanted to name the child after the nurse who helped them and made them feel comfortable. Some of you have stories behind your name. In Hebrew culture, there was something about a name. A name means everything. And for Jesus, it's no different. It's meant to mean something for us and the world. See, we see this most clearly when a person's name changed in recognition or change in their nature or personality or status. For example, Jacob's name is changed to Israel after his successful wrestling match with a divine being. Abram's name is changed to Abraham after the creation of the covenant with God. Saul becomes Paul after he becomes a follower of Christ. The names of newborn children are carefully chosen to reflect the circumstances of their birth as well to indicate something of their personality or status. Like Moses. Moses means to draw out. Reflecting Moses, Moses is rescued as an infant from the waters of the Nile. Or the name Miriam means drop of the sea, bitter or beloved, which later evolves into the name Mary. Or the name Elijah means the Lord is God. The name Jesus means the Lord saves. And the name Emmanuel means God with us. So what does it mean to say that son, the Son of God is both Jesus and Emmanuel? Both names embody who Jesus is. He is Savior and God with us. Both invite us to respond with deep faith and commitment. See, Jesus, the first name means the Lord saves and that Jesus will save his people from their sins. Jesus has, spent, uh, has, sent, was, has been sent to the earth to be the one to save us from all sins and shortcomings that fracture our relationships with God and the people around us. See, we make such a mess of our lives as individuals and, and as communities that we need a Savior to rescue us. And Jesus does this by offering us forgiveness for our past failings and guidance for the path that lies ahead. See, we might sing about the, his saving work at Christmas using the words like the carol, O little town of Bethlehem. Listen to these words. O holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray. Cast our sin and enter in. Be born in us today. Cast out our sin. See, that's the work of Jesus, the Savior. The letter to the Hebrews tells us that Jesus came to remove sin by the sacrifice of himself on the cross. Hebrews 9, 26. And so Jesus casts out our sins once and for all in an act that never needs to be repeated. He lays down his life for us in the act of loving sacrifice, one that brings us forgiveness and new life. So we need Jesus to save us. And he does for us what we can never do for ourselves, no matter how hard we try. And, and trust me, people of this world, we've tried, but we can't. Each of us is like an addict who discovers that recovery requires turning to a higher power, a power greater than ourselves. When we put our faith in Jesus, the Savior, we find the, that forgiveness and change are possible. Not impossible, but always possible. And so we look at the second name, Emmanuel, which, which uh, communicates that God is with us. 
See, turning to a higher power also helps us discover that we are not alone. With Emmanuel in our lives, we are never alone. Hear these words from, from, this, from the Christmas song, O Little Town of Bethlehem. Hear these words. We hear the Christmas angels, the great glad tidings tell, O come to us, abide with us, O Lord Emmanuel. See, Jesus came to abide with us, to live with us, to stay with us forever. That's the work of Emmanuel, God with us. Whether we like it or not, he's with us. We need this now more than ever because loneliness is a problem this time of the year. The death of a loved one, the loss of a job, living with cancer, adjusting to a separation or divorce. See, in, in churches, we... we we can forget that the Christmas season is not a bright and happy time for every member of the congregation. And, and, and there are services that give people, up this Christmas Eve service and the Advent services that we have, it gives people an opportunity to acknowledge their pain and pray for help and healing. I was on the phone with a, with a woman the other day, a couple of days ago, and she was, had a desperation in her voice. And she said, Pastor, I... I really need to, um, I'm trying to find ways to feed my family as a single mother. And so she came over by the church and we gave her some gift cards. And it, it was like, one, there was a sense of worry that turned into elation. And she said, well, on to the next. She goes, I just need to make it to Christmas. And we, and we had an opportunity to pray for her. See, <clears throat> there are things that we celebrate, but we also have to remember there are people out there uh, in, in here that struggle because although this is a time of celebration and joy, this is also a, a tough and lonely period for many of us as well. But since the days become longer and longer <clears throat> after the winter solstice, there is a reason to believe that light can return and darkness can be overcome. People also find hope in the support of the community, of the church, and the chance to draw closer to the one who is our Lord Emmanuel, God with us, is even greater. So as we move toward Christmas, let's keep these names, the name of Jesus Emmanuel, in front of us. Because they tell us that Jesus is our Savior, coming to save us from sin and deliver us to a new, uh, new and abundant life. He is also Emmanuel, God with us. See, the surest sign that our Lord is, is with us in every time and, and place and situation, with Jesus, we are never trapped in our sins or shortcomings. With Emmanuel, we are never completely alone. God with us. God is with us in all our flesh and blood and realities and our messiness. God with us in diapers. Can you imagine that? God with us, nursing with Mary. Why would God come in such a helpless state, coming to depend on another human being when he is God? But this is who we have, God with us. God with us in learning to eat small pieces of bread and drinking from a cup without spilling milk down his chin. Christ among the pots and pans, as Teresa of, of Avila put it. Christ among the barn animals and those quirky magi astrologers, and then all the rest of the gospel's curious cast of characters. God with us. 
God with the prostitutes and the lepers and the outcasts in whose company Jesus would delight again and again and again. God at the dinner table with food stuck between his teeth, just like us. God lifting the cup of wine to his lips, God with us. God with little children whose warm brows he touched and blessed. God smiling when a baby was shown to him by a proud new mother. God with us in all our ordinary times and days. God with us, as Jesus would say to bookend Matthew's gospel, even unto the end of the ages, always with us, Emmanuel. Emmanuel is God with us. God with us in the cancer clinic and at a local nursing home where people are looking for connection and healing. Emmanuel is God with us in the hospice room when life's final breath slips past a loved one's lips. Emmanuel is God with us when the pink slip comes and when the beloved child sneers, I hate you. Emmanuel is God with us when you pack the Christmas decorations away with an aching heart and you have gotten through these many firsts of holidays without your loved one to celebrate with you anymore. Emmanuel is God with us when your dear wife or mother stares at you with all, an Alzheimer's glaze and absently asks, what's your name again, dear? Ever and always, Jesus stares straight into you with his eyes, and he does so not only, he does so not only when you can smile back, but most certainly also when your own eyes are full of tears. In fact, Jesus is Emmanuel, God with you, even in those times when you are so angry with God that you refuse to meet his eyes. But even when you feel like you can't look at him, he never looks away from you. He can't. His name says it all. Jesus is our Savior. <clears throat> That's the assurance that we have. Emmanuel, God is with us. Always until the end of the age. That is the assurance that you have, no matter what. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter what you do today, no matter what life is like tomorrow, Jesus is always with us. And he says, I will hold on to you and I will never let go. That is the promise that is given. That is the promise that we are reminded throughout the year, not just in Christmas, not just at Easter, but every day. Because of what his name means and because of who he is in you and me, that is the promise that is given. And you know what? That is the promise that is expected to flow from us, to be shared with those around us. Because there are people around us who don't know this promise. They've heard of it, but they don't really know it. And so this is God in us to fill us so that others may know as well. That there is a promise that has been made and the world should know. They should know. And the only way they will know is through you and me. Through the hope that we give. Through the love that we extend. By the grace that we give and receive. And by the joy that we have no matter what comes our way. This is the promise of Christmas. This is the promise we hold, and I hope you'll hold on to it tightly 
but I also hope that you will hold on to it loosely so that you can share it with those around you as well. Let us pray. Lord, we give thanks to you. When I name that you are with us, I named a lot of things that are things that are just a short list of things of the brokenness of this world. But Lord, you are also with us in all the joyful things of this world. And we can have a long list of those things. And if we don't, Lord, will you open our eyes and our hearts to see all the joyful things that we need to, to be in the present with. Our families coming together, traditions, old traditions, new traditions, new births, new baptisms, new voices. Things that bring us joy in this season where we get to see and witness your glory and we get to witness miracles, small miracles, big miracles each and every day. Lord, will you continue to remind us of the promises that you have made that you are with us and that you have saved us and you will never let go. Will you continue to assure us of who you are and may we carry that message, may we carry that in our hearts and may we share that with those around us. We thank you, Lord. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.